This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. <laughs> this is like the mask. Bill Belichick, put your ugly nose into your fucking mask. <laughs> I gotta find another photo. Maybe. You feeling you feeling bendy today? <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Man. That big D lineman strength right now? You feeling bendy? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Welcome in everybody to Fan to Fan Detroit. I'm your host, Andrew Norris. This is Double P producer Parker. Um, it is Sunday, as always, when we record, you're listening to this on Tuesday, and it has been quite an eventful day. First, I had to wake up, uh, be sad as hell, as I'm going to be most weeks this season from the Detroit Lions, win or loss, really, because I don't know if I'm rooting for wins anymore. Uh, then I had to suffer the most tragic loss of my lifetime on the Movie Trivia Podcast, also here on Planet Ant Podcast Network. Uh, but then I got to take a little break prepare for the show, and then watch the Lakers have an absolutely exciting, amazing victory with Anthony Davis hitting a shot at the buzzer. Uh, We're going to cover all that and more. Um, But first, before we do that, Parker's got a little bit of something for those of you out there listening that I think could excite some of you. Sure. I have one comment and then also one apology. Uh, I'm going to start with the apology. And it's that I haven't been putting the pods up right away. And I just got my hand in the air and say my bad. Uh, it's too many, too many, too many places, my bad. Uh, that's it. That's all the apology you get for that. But that'll, that'll become more consistent, uh, hopefully, now. Uh, second thing. So, obviously, Andrew and I have, like, our, our very specific strengths, I think, with sports. We do a lot of basketball and football on the show. We do some baseball. We occasionally do soccer. Uh, and then we kind of do like major news kind of headlines. But I, uh, Andrew and I are both interested in expanding the universe of the show. And so what that means is if you're an expert in specifically hockey, if you're an expert in specifically college football, if you're an expert in specifically college basketball, if you're an expert specifically in Korean women's volleyball, whatever it might be, uh, shoot us shoot us a message. We're going to do some correspondent pieces if we can. Uh we just want to talk more and learn more about stuff and create, I think, a more topic encompassing show. Uh, it's a big, it's a, a big scary world out there for sports, and uh, there's just only so many hours in the day for Andrew and I, who both work full time jobs and like do other stuff too. So, uh, like, I just don't have time. I don't have the RAM in my head to do college football right now, as much as I'd like to, because I think college football is interesting, and in, like, I think the characters involved with it are different and. We just would like to talk to some people, I think, on the show uh, about some of the questions that we have about what's going on in some of those sports, especially hockey, because it's a hockey town. And I think everybody now knows by now that we don't give a shit about hockey. I mean, we do, but it's just like not – it's just not the same. So high barrier to entry for hockey. It's like soccer. You got to know what you're talking about to talk about it. So, Yeah, and like I could sit here and I could bullshit – college football with you guys for 20 minutes in a show if I wanted to, but I don't, I don't want to put out a product like that. I want to have real in-depth conversations, real questions, real answers, real thoughts. Uh, and I could do that with Michigan football, but when it gets to the deeper, the nitty gritty of the college football, especially Michigan this year, football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I just don't think that's, that's the right thing for the show for me or him to do. 
Uh, but uh, like he said, if you are in, if you're a diehard, if you know what you're talking about, let us know. We would love to have you on the show. As long as you're for real, you know what you're talking about. We we will have a conversation. We want to get that voice into the podcasting world. Um, so just let us know. Uh, but jumping into this show and talking about what we're, we at least think we're good at, let's start with some NBA basketball. We're going to yeah. get to football. Okay, we'll get there. Uh, and we might also have some news coming for everybody soon on football regarding to the show, but we will let you know that later. Um, I'm curious about what that is. We talked about it earlier. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's start because I want to make everybody at home wait. Let's start with the Celtics and Heat, which looks like it's going to be. Oh, uh, I remember. <laughs> yes, there you go, bud. Looks like it's going to be a down to the wire series. Obviously, the first two games, Celtics held a huge lead, 10-plus points in both. The Heat did what the Heat have done all year long, and especially in this bubble, and that's just put their head down, go to work, come back, win the game. Through good basketball, good team basketball, good coaching. Uh, so game two, obviously, everybody remembers. Jimmy Butler hits the and one, which is just a crazy shot. He just kind of throws it up there, goes in. Hits the free throw, and then Tatum comes around. Looks like he has a wide open lane to the dunk. Cocks the ball back like he's going to slam it and possibly break that rim off. And out of nowhere, Bam Adebayo is there. And Bam Adebayo has, in my opinion, the third best dunk or third best block in playoff history, right there. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think that block was that good. Um, and then after the game. We hear Marcus Smart is yelling in the locker room, telling everybody they're back on their bullshit. People are yelling in the bathrooms and in the showers. Jalen Brown's getting yelled at. Still, I don't think we have a full idea or a clear idea of what happened there. But you could see that team came out, not as a completely different team, but a more focused team for game three. They took their lead and they held on to it. Sure, a couple times there. It looked like they might have let that go and everything was going to happen again. But the Celtics held on to that. They won game three pretty comfortably. It was, I believe, a 10-point game, 10-plus point game at the end. Um, Jalen Brown, who was the main uh, the main person getting yelled at by Marcus Smart, came out and had a really good game, one of his best, if not his best, of the playoffs so far. And I think what we do as sports fans is we always – react to these these locker room arguments or these screaming matches like it's a boyfriend and a girlfriend sitting there and that it's going to boil over and it's just going to be there for weeks and you're not really going to get over it for a while but i think for a sports team how it works is fuck you hey fuck you all right we're cool like i think it's a lot like 11 year old dudes getting in a fight like a fist fight you punch each other and then you're fine you keep playing your pickup game um Got weird eleven year old friends, man. Dude, were you not getting in weird fist or not weird, but fist fights when you were eleven years old? Mm, I don't know. I'm kind of a wuss. I, I tend to be pretty conflict averse. That's all me and my friends were doing: <laughs> playing football, swinging at each other, dapping it up, and then playing more football. Okay. Um, but I think it works a lot like that in in these locker rooms, and I think the Celtics showed that. Uh, they came out, they played as a team, they played good, and they played hard. And I still think this series is going seven. Uh, if anything, I think that this is going to be looked at as like a turning point positive thing because that's the way media narratives work now. I think that this shit happens like all the time. And because there's not 20 reporters sitting outside who have been sitting in a bubble for two months, we just don't hear about it all the time. 
uh, it definitely happened for some of those Jimmy Butler 76ers teams. There's just no way. There's just no way that wasn't happening twice a week. So I don't really read anything into it, to be honest. This is what you, Marcus Market paid for, basically. Exactly. This is, this is what he does, you know, and he's right. You know, Jalen Brown was kind of dogging it a little bit, I thought. And you can't do that in the Eastern Conference Finals. And he got told and it got fixed. That's that's the way that it works. This is what you want. So if anything, I'm more nervous about the Celtics winning this series. However, I'm still sticking on my sticking with my guns and going with the Miami Heat. God damn it, my phone. In six still? You still got him in six? Yes. Still okay. got him in six. Yeah, uh, and, and Jalen Brown's game two was very strange. I mean, I can think of like five different instances where he got a pass and he just didn't catch the ball and it wasn't hard passes to catch it was like his mind was not in the game which I think we've heard a couple of players talk about that when you get in this bubble it's hard mentally it's hard for your mental health it's hard for your focus you have nothing to do most of the time I'm guessing a lot of them aren't used to living my style my type of lifestyle of doing something and then going home and playing video games for six hours uh, but right. that's what they're kind of forced into right now. Um, most of these guys are used to – they play a game, then they go out to the club or they go home with their family or they go to a buddy's house and drink some wine that's specifically for LeBron James. Um, like <laughs> most of these guys are used to that, and this they're just so caught up and so in just one spot stuck there. And millionaires aren't good at being stuck. I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that just really affected this team. And it just took Marcus Smart calling everybody a bitch for it to get fixed. And it looked like it got fixed. So I'm going, I'm still sticking with Heat and seven. But if the Celtics win game four, Celtics and seven. Uh, to me, when we look back on this and we'll go, why, I, if the Heat win, and I think if the Lakers win, which I think you and I both think is probably the most likely outcome, if that happens, It'll be looked at as these were the two most mentally tough teams in a space of basketball where being mentally tough was the most important thing. Uh, I think that's kind of what we're learning is that mental toughness and the camaraderie of a team and the cohesiveness, all of that matters uh, more than usual. It always matters, but I think it matters more right now. And I think that that's definitely, definitely the thing for the Heat that have kind of propelled them through this. Uh, I think that they're the most mentally tough team in the NBA. The Lakers are second. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair at this point. Uh, a month ago, I would have yelled at you for saying that. I would have just laughed in your face. Yeah, and I, I, I have been proven wrong a hundred times by the Heat. As I tell you guys every week, they just continue to make me look like an idiot. So I'm sticking with my Heat in seven for now. Uh, but let's talk about the game, game two of the Lakers Nuggets that actually just wrapped up before we recorded this. Um, and I was Nuggets in six or Lakers in six when this series started. I wanted to get my my gut was telling me Nuggets in five, but I wanted to give them a little bit of respect because of what we have seen so far in the playoffs. I mean, two three one comebacks is like that's a gritty team. That's a team that doesn't quit. Um, but then tonight happens, and I see the Nuggets have a good, not great game, but a good game, and the Lakers have the worst game since the playoffs started for them like easily counting game one against Portland, the worst game they've played in the playoffs and the Lakers still find a way to win this. Of course it took an Anthony Davis buzzer beater, an amazing Anthony Davis buzzer beater came wrapping around a screen at light speed, two and a half seconds left right after Danny green got an offensive rebound, put back shot blocked by Jamal Murray. And he just absolutely drains it right in the eye of uh, Paul Millsap, I believe uh, just an outstanding shot. I mean, just showed that, 
people want to call Anthony Davis soft. This guy's cold-blooded, man. This guy hasn't taken a step back in the playoffs ever in his career. He puts up huge numbers all the time. It just – I think the modern-day NBA fan doesn't realize that just because you scored 32 and most of them were around the rim doesn't make that 32 any less skilled or special. Just because you're not chucking it from 33 feet doesn't make those points any less. And, I mean, he – two for four today from three, 11 for 23 from the field, 31 points. LeBron lost it in the second half. He had nothing in the second half. Two air balls on threes. Every jumper he put up there was clanking off the rim. Couldn't get to the hole. Couldn't get to through the lane. There was four bodies sitting there waiting for him when he did. And Anthony Davis just picked it up and said, all right, I got it. I got it. And I think it's going to be Lakers and four, man. I think the Nuggets are just done. I think they're Ooh. just – the energy is gone. Tonight probably sucked what they had left out of them. They're going to come out in game three with the the 3-1 mentality, right? They're going to come out with that. And then the Lakers are going to win the first half by 15 and the Nuggets are going to start packing their suitcases. I think it's just a tough matchup for the Nuggets. It's too bad. Um, uh, Jokic is in my top five most entertaining players to watch. Did you see that one shot he hit today over Dwight where Dwight is, I mean, in his eyeballs and he just chucks the ball 20 feet <laughs> into the air from like 16 <laughs> And LeBron jumps because he thinks it's going to be an air ball. So before it even hits the rim, LeBron's in the air, and it is the cleanest swish I've ever seen in my entire life. The, the shots that guy can put in, man, it looks like he's playing a horse half the time. He's his his he has these like weird like fadeaways that look like Ephus pitches back practically when he yes. shoots them. It's unbelievable. I, I've never seen a player. There's this kid I knew in high school. His name was Saleyasin. And he used to play basketball like Jokic, but if he was very short and not good at basketball. And I watch Jokic like throw the ball over his head now, and it just like brings me flashbacks of this of like the worst basketball player I've ever met. It's absolutely crazy. He's got like he's got like rec basketball league game. It's I love Jokic. I love watching him. Crazy stat I just came across from this game. Jamal Murray played forty four minutes. He was a plus sixteen. Wow. So that means in the four minutes he didn't play, the Nuggets were minus 18. That seems kind of impossible, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what my analysis on that st on that statistic is. I don't. Yeah, I, I like I don't remember a four minute huge Lakers run or anything like yeah. that. Well, Jamal Murray off the court. But wow, that that just shows. And I mean, Jamal Murray wasn't fantastic by any means. tonight. Eight for 19, two of nine from three. Um, but he does. He did what he does, and when he needs a bucket, he he puts one in. Except for the very end of this game, where Jokic took over and had, I believe, the last eleven points for the Nuggets. Um, what do you think? This is going five, six, four. Where are you at? Five. I just uh, five, and I'm leaning towards six, but five. Uh, I I really respect what the Nuggets have done. They're definitely only one player away. Uh, so that's my question for you. What player do you want to add to the Nuggets next year? to make them better? I mean, I feel like the easy answer is Bradley Beal to every team sure. that's one player away, and the Nuggets mm -hmm. can put together a package as good as anybody, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Bull Bull. I mean, there's some interesting pieces that the Nuggets have there that they can put together a package for. You're probably going to dip into your bird rights so you can get Paul Millsap back. Um but the, the easy answer is Bradley Beal, and I can't really think of anybody else off the top of my head. I feel like 
there's got to be a mid-level guy or like like a Paul Millsap level player at the guard position so uh, that you could bring in that would put this team over the top. I got a name I'll throw at you. Uh, Dennis Schroeder. Uh, the Thunder are expelling all assets like ding-dongs, and they could get rid of him. At You're kind of selling high on Dennis Schroeder. If you can get like Michael Porter Jr. for him straight up, uh, that's uh, – no? Okay. No. Just, just doing a little jazz here, doing a little ja- uh, trade I mean, jazz, not jazz. Even tonight, Michael Porter Jr., and remember, this is the first time he's really got to play in the NBA because of the back issues. 20 minutes, 6-9 from the field, 2-4 from 3. Yeah. The dude is going to be special on offense. The basketball IQ – that needs some work, but he's like 21 years old, 22 years old. He's got time. Uh, and Michael Porter Jr. could very well end up being that last piece. Sure. If he can figure just a couple things out here or there, and that offense gets even better than what it is right now, which is outstanding. And even after the back injuries, the athleticism off the charts just jumps out of the gym. Um, this is There's a reason that guy was touted before Zion as like the next big thing. Yeah. So... Uh- let me throw another one at you. Kevin Love, if they can squeeze him in. If you deal Gary Harris, you can probably get the cap space for Kevin Love. Yeah. Um, it, it That lineup would be fucking weird and scary, and I would love it's it. kind of fun. Um, They'd be really good at passing. Yeah, for sure. Jokic and Kevin Love down low is the best passing do big man duo ever. And then you're setting double screens. One's popping. One's rolling for, for Jamal Murray. Both are popping. I mean, the defenses aren't going to know what to do. You're going to have to run yeah. some type of funky zone against that team, and then especially <laughs> if you can dip into your dip into your cap and go into the luxury tax and keep Millsap, have Millsap coming off the bench years or age thirty six through thirty eight or something like that. Still have Jeremy Grant there. Um, but the problem is though, you you're gonna if you're getting rid of Gary Harris, you need a guard. You need a guard. Draft um, him. Yeah, but what, at 24? Um, You can figure something out, I'm sure. Uh, But I I like it. I love it. I think George Hill is going to be a free agent. I guess I don't don't want wide-eyed George Hill on my team in the playoffs. George Hill, backup point guard. You know, I think that that's... Yeah, in the regular season, it's fantastic. When he's in the playoffs and he looks like he's staring at the Grim Reaper every time he has to do something (laughs) important, I'll pass. But, but uh, like, a George Hill-type player is all you need. It's not like you need anything crazy. Um, either, like, a George Hill-type player or, like, a better version of Deion Waiters, somebody who can come mm. just get a bucket. Uh, but you still need something. And that's the hard part of where they're at. Like, if you get one thing, you're going to have to get rid of what makes you good somewhere else. So if you get a guard like Bradley Beal, you're going to have to get rid of some of your big man depth and big man power. And if you get a big man, you're going to have to get rid of some of the little guard depth you have. Um so do you think that doing that is better than just rolling it back if you're the Nuggets? The Kevin Love deal specifically? Just uh, like dealing, basically. Dealing to upgrade one of your starters. Sacrificing yeah, that. you're not good enough to make it out of the West right now. And I get there in the Western Conference Finals, but it's a lot closer, I think, to like the Blazers when they played the Warriors last year in the Western Conference Finals. Sure. Um, as a team that could easily go out in the first round next year. They've been really awesome, and it's been like – it's almost – been like a March Madness Cinderella story with this team. Um, but they, their talent level is still below what it's going to take to win an NBA championship, even with Murray and Jokic. Like you need – you don't have a top four player, so you need a third guy. 
Do you agree or disagree with that? Like, do you, do you, I think they need a third guy. I, just I hope don't. it's just Michael Porter Jr. I hope they run it back. Porter Jr. comes and averages 21 points a game, and you're like, who is it, Murray or Michael Porter Jr.? Like, If we're talking about going up against these Lakers and whatever the Clippers look like next year, whatever Luka looks like next year, Michael Porter Jr. next year needs to be your fourth guy if you really want to compete. Yeah, I think you're uh, they right. They need a legit third guy because I think Jokic is like a low low end one, and I think Jamal Murray is like kind of a mid level two for a title team. Uh, and I so I think you I think that in that situation you need you need a really solid third guy. So let me ask you one more question before we get to uh, to football, and we the will re- we'll revisit this yeah in a week or so, maybe a little bit more. If the if it's the Heat versus Lakers, who are you picking? The Lakers. Okay, good. All right, just wanted to make sure. I'm not crazy. Well, you are a little bit. <laughs> well, I learned from this man behind me. Sometimes you just got to say something in sports and see what happens. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you see, never mind. Well, I'll tell you. No, what were you going to say? Say what you're no, going to say. No, because well, you're going to want to cut it, but I'm going to tell you. When you said this man behind me, I thought you were making like a I am crazy reference. Like there's actually nobody behind me, but then I realized you were talking about Skip Bayless. <laughs> so, all right, let's talk football. Do we have to? I guess. <laughs> um, I'm just going to start with the Lions. Yeah, we might as well. Um, I would like to put in a formal request uh, for Patricia to go away forever. Um, never come back. Get on a rocket ship and fly to the moon. And you can keep the pencil in your ear um, and just stay there. There's less gravity. You'll be able to jump up and down. Like, just go away forever. Um, because you now, through your first 34 games as the Lions head coach, have a worse record than Rod fucking Marinelli. 0-16 Rod Marinelli. You had another 10-point lead today. You were up 14-3 in the first half. You lost by 20. You lost by 21 points to the Green Bay Packers, which, by the way, the last 10 games these two teams have played, the Lions have either won or it's been less than a touchdown separating them. The talent gap isn't that big, and we have 10 games worth of history to see that. You, Quinn, whoever, need to go. And if Sheila Ford-Hamp wants to prove what she said when she got appointed the new director of this franchise, which was she's tough, she doesn't accept failure, this team is going to be a winner. One, I don't think they should have let Patricia on the flight back home and should have made his ass walk home from Wisconsin. Two, if he makes it past the bye week, that's the most same old lion shit I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Okay, so first and foremost... I agree with you about Matt Patricia. Uh, I came into the season believing that it was the right call to give them one more year. Uh, And I still think that based on what I knew then, that that was the right thing to say. However, man, does this just look like every Lions team I've watched over the last 10 years. They, 
if not worse. It's the little shit, man. It's the little shit that I see. It's Jamie Collins getting ejected for headbutting a ref. It's like that kind of shit that doesn't happen to good football teams, but happens so consistently to the Lions. I'm convinced that like the trainers are giving them stupid pills sometimes. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time jumping up and down on Matt Patricia's future grave. Instead, I think that we should talk a little bit about why on the field specifically the Lions didn't win. Now, I want to start with Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda got his ass kicked today, right? Jeff Okuda was getting just burned left and right by Devontae Adams. But you're not putting Jeff Okuda in a situation to succeed if in game one of his rookie season where he didn't have a preseason and he didn't have a regular length camp, you're putting him solo matchup on Devontae Adams. I don't, I don't think that there's a rookie corner in the league that could do that. Do you? No. And I don't even think it's as simple as just throwing him on Devontae Adams. I think the guy's got the skill set to at least be able to kind of hang with Devontae Adams. Yeah. Normally. However, when, Aaron Rodgers has six seconds in the pocket and you have to cover Devontae Adams for all six of those seconds, you're going to get burned every time. And that's what we saw. And Okuda like, wasn't great today, even minus that, mind you. Once Devontae Adams left the game, he was getting burned by uh, Voltez Scadley or however the hell you say his name. It confuses me every time. But, I mean, dude, like – you have to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers if you want your secondary to be able to do anything. Anything. And it wasn't even a three-man rush problem this week like we saw all year last year. This was you went into the offseason knowing you needed people to rush the passer, knowing you didn't have the talent, right? You have Trey Flowers on one end. You need somebody else on the other. And you need at least one guy who doesn't just stop the run in the middle. We signed some decent D tackles. Danny Shelton looked like shit today, but we signed some decent defensive tackles for stopping the run. Get a guy who can go in there and rush the passer, who can break through a center or a guard or a double team once a game. We didn't get our first hurry of the quarterback until the third quarter of this game. And the secondary being depleted uh, isn't going to be able to run man coverage for, for yeah. 10 seconds. It's just never going to work. Um, I'm not, I'm not, selling completely on Okuda. I still think Okuda is going to be a really good NFL corner. Is he going to be this like near generational talent? A lot of us were hoping he was going to be when we took him at three. I'm not as sure in that anymore because he looks a little slow out on the field. Um, but like, I still think he's going to be a good player. You just got to have a scheme there where he has a chance, just a chance, man. Yeah. Like he, it's, it, it, it's such like a, and it's been the same problem for three years. We're in the third year. Make an adjustment. Uh, and then not not even just Patricia. Let's talk about Quinn for a second. The sure. one move, the one move he made to be able to get a pass rusher was let's draft Julian Okwara in the third round. Healthy scratch today. Healthy scratch. Are you kidding me? That's your third round pick. That was your one big move. The dude you were so confident in that. You didn't sign a D-end or you didn't trade for Yannick Ngakwe. And trust me, I was a big Julian O'Quara guy in the draft preparation, but I'm not the GM of the Detroit fucking Lions. <laughs> I'm a guy with a podcast. I'm allowed to be wrong. You're not, Bob Quinn. <laughs> like, it's just everything this franchise does is wrong every time. 
And I like, I don't want to come in here and do the same thing we did last week where we just cry about it and bitch about it. But what else are we supposed to do right now <laughs> talking about this team? Like if we're being realistic about this team, it's going to be negative. Everything. Everything yeah. except for maybe the running backs. The running backs looked okay today. Matt Stafford didn't even look good today. He missed Danny Amendola like four times. Yeah. Um, but you know me. I'm never going to put the blame on Matt Stafford. This game was not his fault. You're, like, your defense allowed 42 points. But it's just it, it's just so tiring. It's it's exhausting. It's it ruins my Sundays. Like it's so at Friday, Saturday, I sit there all day. I'm like, I can't wait to like wake up, have some breakfast, drink some coffee, and then watch the Lions. And by 1:25, I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to watch football for the rest of the day. I don't want to because this team makes me like, oh, dude, this this is what this team makes me. It it makes me this this angry, deceitful sports fan and i'm normally the optimist but it's impossible to be with this team it's it's impossible it feels like we're depending on rookies and health in the year when you're least likely to succeed depending on rookies and health ever ever yes ever sorry i should have thrown that at the end there uh a lot of the rookies that i've watched haven't looked super great outside of Clyde edwards hilaire and a couple of receivers, but I think that that's just different. I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. I do think that this would be like a very appealing job for somebody to come in. The talent is there. The talent is there. That offense has got more talent like than almost anybody in the division, at least. And I think the defense has some pieces and some youth and I, that a little bit of depth. I thought Tracy Walker was like decent today. I guess if we're, I like, think that secondary is good with stuff. most coaches. Most coaches, yeah. that secondary is good. Yeah. Um, you asked me a question last week. That was, uh, are you ready for Tank for Trevor? And I kind of blew you off because I was like, okay, they're not that bad. I know I'm angry right now, but I tried to settle myself yeah. down. After this week, man, somebody calls call comes calling for Stafford first, second round pick. One of those two. I trade him, and I tank for Trevor. Whatever it takes. Tank, tank, tank. Fire Patricia at the bye. Let Bevel get like these young guys really going on offense as the interim head coach for the rest of the season. Go get the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Get Ooh. Trevor Lawrence, and boom, I'm happy again. Right? Then I'm, then I'm going into next season like I do every year. <laughs> I'm going 9-7, and 10-6 and six until week three. But, I mean, like I, I, I'm there. I, I think I'm rooting against them. For the rest of the year, I don't want them to win games. I want because I know it's not going to amount to anything. So let's go a little forward. They play the Arizona Cardinals next week. Loss. They're going to be beat by thirty. <laughs> yes, the Arizona Cardinals have looked like a buzzsaw. That's for sure. They look scary. Kyler Murray looks untackable. But let's say something ridiculous happens and the Lions win that game. Uh, are you still? Does that change anything for you if they win next week at Arizona? No, because then you're running into the Saints. Like, yeah. I mean, and it might be the Saints without Michael Thomas, but I don't think it matters. Drew Brees is going to tear this defense apart into oh little goodness. tiny shreds. It's just going to be ugly. And then, like, right, you get the Jags, cool. But then you get the Colts and the Vikings and the Washington. I mean, have you seen Gardner Minshew? We might not beat the Jags. Dude, I mean, we talked about it last week. Where's the ceiling at for that guy? Dude, Gardner um, Minshew. So I, I just like, 
I'm ready for another top three pick. I, I'm ready for it. And it, it, it's got to be a quarterback this time. I like hesitated on Tua this year, even though I loved Tua. I love Tua. I think he's going to be an absolute superstar, a true franchise quarterback, a guy who down the line is going to be able to compete for Super Bowls. I think that highly of him. But we had Matt Stafford. I thought the talent was there. I thought the injury held us back from being like an 8-8 eight and eight team last year. Um, but now we're looking at it, and it, Patricia's the coach. Stafford is can't go to his fifth head coach. It's just yeah. it's just time to it's time to restart and and find and find the new path. Like we've been doing this for a decade, over a decade. It's not going to work. So let's restart. Wipe the slate clean. That probably means Marvin Jones is gone because he's getting up there in age. Obviously, Adrian Peterson will be gone next year. Uh, you you're gonna add, need to add a couple offensive line pieces. You're gonna need to add some defensive line pieces. You might trade Trey Flowers if you trade Matt Stafford. I mean, uh, I it's gonna be a big was, turnaround. It was awesome today. Line was like the one bright spot. Well, for me. until the second half, like the second Stafford started getting lit up at the end of that game. Uh, but the first half, that offensive line was awesome. But I still think you're going to need to add some interior pieces, mostly at the guard position. So, like, a second-round pick at guard, and you can have a really good offensive line. Yeah. Um, but you're still going to – you're going to trade most of your big pieces if Stafford goes, including, like, Trey Flowers and Marvin Jones. And it's not going to be next year. It might be the year after if everything goes perfect. But it's, you know, we're we're back to being years away, which I haven't felt like that as a Lions fan in quite some time. Uh, but we're back to being years away, plural. So I'm assuming that I know we're I know that we're projecting like really far forward here. We're in week two of the NFL season, but like this is pretty it's where we're at. It's pretty convincingly apocalyptic uh, after two weeks. Uh, Bob Quinn gets fired and Patricia gets fired. Correct. Yep. Do you have any thoughts about like what a GM hire would look like? No, I mean I hope it's somebody I've never heard of. I, I okay. I don't want it to be this big name. The last big name guy, the last two big name guys we got were Bob Quinn and Matt Millen, who were both worse than Martin Mayhew somehow. Like <laughs> Matt Millen's the worst general manager of all time, and Bob Quinn is like not great. We've tried to defend Bob Quinn now, going on we, like three we years, have and it's really tried to defend Bob Quinn. We have done. gone out of our way to defend Bob Quinn. And I know that people won't believe that because they've only heard us talk about football for a few weeks, but like. We've really, we've really tried to put it out there for Bob Quinn and kind of ignored Jared Davis and kind of maybe uh, ignored some of the other misses. High boosted Tracy misses. Walker and boosted yeah. Deshaun Hand and like it's it, it was the whole it was Jelani the whole miss. Yeah, right. We love Jelani Tavai and we'll never give him up. But at the end of the day, he's probably not a talented enough player for where you drafted him at. No, and third round scratch, third round healthy scratch in week two. That's not good. No, not good at all. <sighs> let's move let's on. go around the league. Yeah, yeah let's done, do it. I'm done with the lines. Um, <clears throat> I know we touched on it for a second, but I want to hear your thoughts on the Cardinals because that team is fucking so good. They're so uh, good. <laughs> first thought, of course, is I told you all uh, that Cardinals are so good. That offense is amazing. They got the exact guy they needed to go with Kyler Murray. Their running game is fine. The defense is good enough. But uh, Kyler Murray is <laughs> – he just 
it's like my, he's the closest thing I think I've seen to like a pure Michael Vick in that Michael Vick was a passing quarterback who could run like a running back. And Kyler Murray is the same thing. He, he doesn't have to run. He gets to choose when he wants to run. And I think that that's, I think that they hired the right head coach uh, to like kind of build a system around him. And they're just really just like a they're just an offensive juggernaut. And I do think that they'll probably slow down after six weeks and there's some good tape on them. Uh, but I think I that don't. that offense is here to stay. I think that I think that once we've like seen a few weeks of them, that like somebody, some defensive genius slash rocket scientist head coach who's really good at coaching defense might be able to find a way to stop them. I, I mean, like, they went up against the Washington football team today who had eight sacks last week, and they only allowed three sacks today. Kyler Murray won the game on the ground, two rushing touchdowns on only eight rushing attempts, 67 yards. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, they'll have an off week or two because they're young. But, uh, I mean, then it, <laughs> I, look, I want to say they're gonna they're an easy pick for the playoffs, but the NFC West is so ridiculous this year. So, I mean, unbelievably ridiculous. Every team in that division is going to be really good this year, including the Rams, I think, by the way, who have looked awesome in the first two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like the Rams a lot this year as like a bounce back. It feels like we know this year, too, the 49ers are already in the middle of a big-time Super Bowl hangover. Uh, so I like the Rams to continue being a bounce back team. And I don't really know if I agree with the amount of money that they're handing out to some of these players, specifically like Robert Woods kind of feels like maybe you could draft that guy, you but can find a Robert Woods, you know, uh, you know, go off, go, go off Rams. If you think you can afford it. <laughs> and so. I guess you do, you got to keep really good. Like Jared Goff isn't a star. You have to keep good offensive pieces around him. So oh, I get it from that aspect. But. It's the Jared Goff line. Yeah, you're right. That's you what it is. We've so been hunting right. for this for some time. A replacement for the Andy Dalton line is the quarterback who can get any team to a nine and seven in a first round loss. And I think he's probably Jared Goff. It's the Jared Goff line. You're hundred percent right. That's the most perfect comparison. Excellent. Um, I Bucks. also just, I just want to real quick throw in that you going, I have a podcast. I'm allowed to be wrong. Is like the fourth wall shattering for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Fuck Vince McMahon. That's all I'm saying. Uh, the Bucks looked good. Tom Brady looked super old. Like, super old. Um, Big and I, Manning on the Broncos vibes. Yeah, and, like, that, you know, that won a Super Bowl, but that was also a generational defense. Um, but I, I, I'm still, like, I still think they're going to be really good. Even though the ball takes four and a half seconds to get to the sideline when Tom Brady throws it. <laughs> like... I think they're, they're, there's just so much damn talent there. Mike Evans can catch anything. Uh, Chris Godwin is really good, even though he's a little banged up. Gronk is going to have his moments. Um, the team is just – they're just good. They're just talented. Uh, and they, they they still put up 31. Even with Brady not looking good, they put up 31. Some of Fournette, those three- 103 yards on 12 carries. Oh, yeah. He's RB1 now, I think, probably going forward. Uh, oh, I'd like five receptions. Had like five receptions too, I think. Uh, some of those throws, I know that they're like real quacky in the air, but they're really accurate. He he throws these balls that only his receivers can grab. So the fact that they're that he's throwing like changeups out there into left field, uh, I think is kind of okay because of who his receivers are. Godwin and Mike Evans are a pretty good match. Uh, I didn't. I kind of was red zoning that game. Did you see Gronk much? Did was what's Gronk up to? 
Uh, let me check the stat line. I, I, I mean, I... Because I, I think that, like, Gronk was maybe one of the most divisive... He had one target. Player. Oh, that's not good. It's But here's... I think it's going to be he plays 40% of the snaps until week 12, and then he's going to jump back in, and then he'll be okay in the playoffs. Like, I don't think anybody was expecting him to be a superstar this year, except for NFL casuals, which, of course, they were. He's Rob Gronkowski. Um, but like 104 of the passing yards out of 217 went to Mike Evans. So yeah, he's so good. Mike Evans is so good. Um, the Eagles allowed 37 points to those Rams. We were just talking about Carson Wentz, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, like how long I know it's week two, but how long until Jalen Hurts' name starts coming up? A couple more weeks at least. I think we're pretty far away from Jalen Hurts' time. I think we're further away than we should be. So you think that we're probably six weeks away, like six weeks of bad play? Yeah, and I think we should be two or three away. Yeah, Carson Wentz has been bad. I mean, not even not good. He's been just, I think, pretty pretty plain bad. Uh it's tough with the Eagles, man. I never really feel like I have a good beat on that offense because they're all kind of they've all kind of been there for a while, and except for Miles Sanders, and uh, I, I I don't really have any strong Eagles opinions, unfortunately. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you last week. The Jaguars put up 30 points on the Titans this week. Gardner Minshew, 30 for 45, 340 yards, three touchdowns, still threw two picks, but. What is the ceiling for Gardner Minshew? Uh, he's above the Jared Goff line. I think he's pretty like firm. the ceiling is. I don't think yeah. he's there. I like right now he's not. But I think ceil- he's kind of close. I think he's probably close, but I still think he's, he's below it. He's throwing to nobody. They're only Shark is a beast. I don't know. Uh, I know they have like Lavisca Chenault too, right? I think he had yeah, last Chris week. Conley's all right. I mean, there's some okay. weapons there. There's some. There's a lot of guys who can make some catches. Tyler Eifert's there, and he's healthy right now for two more weeks. Sure, yeah, sure. Uh, let me let me ask you this: If DJ Chark played for the Lions, what receiver number would he be? Because I think he'd be three. I think you're pro. <sighs> I like. I want to put him above Marv. I do. I want to put him above Marv, um, but I don't think I can for sure. Uh, but remember, this is his second year in the league. Like, but I get your point. Um, I, I guess we'll say three. Although I'm not super confident saying three because, like, Danny Amendola's three right now, and he's going like six for eighty every week. So yeah, you know, like he he's where's Hawk tra- count as? I think he'd be behind Hawk on the catch reception chart. Oh, that's the only other good thing for the Lions. Hawk looks fucking great. Yeah, yeah. Hawk I could Hawk. use a few more targets his way, but yeah, yeah, me too. I agree. Um, that also might be a separation issue. You never know. Uh, you got anything else from around the league? Next week, the Raven, or not? The, yeah, the Ravens play the Chiefs in what is going to be probably the best football game that we'll see in the regular season. So my question to you is, who's your pick? I don't know what the line is yet. I don't think it's out. But who do you think is going to win right now? I am going to say it's Baltimore minus three. I'm going to say Baltimore. I think they've looked like the best team in football. The Chiefs didn't look yeah. great tonight uh, by but, any means. They only scored 20 points or 23 points against the Chargers, who are no world beaters. And I get everybody has an off week. 
but I'm going to say the Ravens. I think they're going to control time of possession, which you normally can't do versus the Chiefs. Everybody's ready for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire now, who did not have a good game today. Uh, it'll be like 38-34. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be just a great game. It'll be like, um, what was it, Rams-Patriots a few years ago? I think it was Rams-Chiefs a few years Rams ago. Rams-Chiefs a few years ago. It'll be like that. Yeah. Um, but I think the Ravens will come out with it. And right now, I think the Ravens are probably my Super Bowl favorite. Me too. Uh, the Ravens have looked like an absolute juggernaut. I don't. J.K. Dobbins is like for what the way that they use him, he's been very fun. He's been very good. They really that backfield is unstoppable. Hey, do you have any idea who J.K. Dobbins reminds me of? Uh, who? Emmett Smith. Ooh, interesting. Two well, carries, uh, forty-eight yards today. Twenty-four yards a carry for that boy, J.K. Dobbins. Had a couple. He had a couple grabs too. I think. Uh, one for thirteen. They should like be getting I, him more involved. Why is Gus Edwards getting 10 carries? I guess because he averaged 7.3 yards per carry. That's probably why. I suspect that the way that that offense works, <laughs> you or I could average five yards a carry. Yeah. I just think that they all, that, like, defenses. It's like the Chiefs, like, Clyward's literally week, week, week one. Uh, the defenses aren't worried about you. They have other things in their mind. There's just so much damn talent on this The ball. Chiefs did not it's look absurd. good this week. But no. you know who did in that game was Justin Herbert, who looked very, very good. I thought very surprisingly good. Uh, their coach came out after the game and said, uh, uh, I'm so hesitant to say this name. Tyrod Taylor uh, is. Uh, hey, hey, hey. It's Tarod. Is it? It's, it's Tarod. God damn it. I'm sorry. Tarod Taylor uh, still has the starting job. Uh do you agree with that? No, that's crazy. Yeah, that's it's insane. Like, it's coach talk, so Herbert is motivated in practice this week. Like, that's what it is. But uh -oh. Herbert went 67% completion, 22-33, over 300 yards and a touchdown. And I get this Chiefs defense isn't, like, the best defense in the world, but it's also not bad. And Herbert isn't, in my mind, supposed to be as good as he was today. So uh, if, if Terod Taylor starts next week, just like, just know that they're tanking. Just know that's what they're doing. Uh, he faced a lot of heat. He was under pressure a lot in that game, quite a bit. Uh, and I thought he looked really good considering that level of pressure. The Chicago Bears are two and zero. Uh, are they going to win the division? No. Nope. Not are they going to get second place in the division? Oh uh, yeah, probably. Probably the Vikings <laughs> look like dog shit. We are the Lions are dog shit. Um, the Packers are just going to find ways to win because Aaron Rodgers is Jesus Christ on a football field when he wants to be. And then the Bears will go like 8-8 eight and because eight Mitch Trubisky is going to suck at some point. We all know it's coming. He's got his two weeks under his belt now where you go, oh, maybe Mitch Trubisky could be good, and now he's going to suck for eight weeks. So, But that defense will win him a couple games. Uh, bad teams will win them a couple games, and they'll go 8-8, eight and eight behind, and then the Packers will go like 11-5. and five. Yeah, I actually think the Bears are probably they're a pretty classic uh, bad good team. I think they they played the Lions and the Giants two weeks in a row. And now they got a little momentum and they'll win some games, but they won't be good. Uh, Cam Newton, there's thirty nine seconds left <laughs> in the Patriots Seahawks games. It is thirty to thirty five. Cam Newton's stat line: he has three hundred and sixty seven passing yards, passing Ooh. TD, ten rushing attempts for forty eight yards, and two rushing TDs. Uh, so let me ask you. What contract does Cam Newton sign next year? Like a like a twenty 
three a year for three years. It still won't be that. Everybody, it's still, it's the NFL and it's health. He's not getting like no thirty million dollars or anything like that. Even if he plays like this all year, um, like on the high end, twenty to twenty three million a year. Wow. Uh, that's a lot higher than what I would have gotten. Holy crap! The Patriots are in the red zone again. Yep, yep, yep. Can we uh, just let's just uh, I I'm not gonna be able to focus for the next ten seconds. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna check out real quick, and then we'll be right back in like these next two frames. Oh no! What a terrible play call. Yeah, I don't like that at all. That's we're doing rough. like instant. We're coming back now with instant, instant, instantaneous 10 second to go reaction. And my reaction is what the fuck was that play call? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't understand why you're going to line 11 guys up on the line of scrimmage and just say, all right, we have nine, you have 11. Let's see who wins this. Cause you've got the running back in the backfield. Cam Newton there to take the snap, at least fake it to your running back. Like at least, or go outside. Don't just try to go up the middle. Um, Seattle wins 35-30. I'm kind of mad I missed the second half of that game because I feel like that was probably a great game to watch. Uh, Heavy is the head that hosts the podcast, Andrew. Uh, To me, if – and I know that, like, it's, like, really easy to be like, that's bad play call. What would you call? Very simple. Madden classic. Play action out to your second tight end in the back right of the end zone. Works 100% of the time. Bill Belichick has banned the words Madden Classic, <laughs> Philly Special in his locker room. Also, Julian Edelman, 8 for 179 in this game. Wow. Wow. I always, I mean, I, I didn't think he was completely a product of Brady, but I didn't think he could put up those numbers without him. He's like 79 years old, too, or something like that. Wow. I mean, this Patriots team is going to be good. They're gonna so be many good. guys in that team opted out. They have so much money in dead cap space right now. Doesn't it's matter. Unbelievable. How is how is it possible? How is it possible? I just don't understand, like at a fundamental level, how Bill Belichick can beat the Seattle Seahawks, missing his three best defenders after losing his quarterback and going through ten coaches at his positions over the last five years. And we can't fucking beat Mitch Trubisky. Because he's the greatest coach in North American professional sports ever. I don't even like what's the what, how do you quantify that? I just you just look at the resume, you look at what he does with the, no, with the ta- I mean, how how is it that at the highest level of something like this that there's somebody who's so far ahead of everybody else and continues to be so far ahead of everybody else for over a decade? For, I think it's relatively simple. He literally changes the scheme and the game plan every week. He has this ability to get a new scheme implemented in five days, and he does it every single week. What somehow, What is going to work against this team? That's what we're doing this week. Somehow we got the opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, is, is, Matt, is how Matt Patricia's career as a head coach gone not the ultimate, like, praise? Doesn't that just show how great Bill Belichick is? <laughs> like, they had some great defenses when Matt Patricia was there as the D.C. The Bill Belichick coaching tree is full of failure. Well, I guess so. From what I've heard, he doesn't share his all his secrets with anybody except for he's about to share them with Josh McDaniels, it sounds like, when he eventually takes over for him. So... 
yeah. it's it's it it you're right though it defies logic it doesn't make sense how he does this year after year after year and now without brady and it's like you said it, uh, fucking 10 guys opted out for them it, he's gone through 100 assistant coaches in the last decade cuz all his assi- every we're one of the stupid teams and every team around the league is stupid enough to be like maybe we'll get the next bill belichick even though we've seen it go over 100 um but it doesn't matter. If you have him, you can win every week. You're going to be in it every week. I, you could, I, I think I could play quarterback and we'd win four games. Three games. Three games. <laughs> um, yeah, you get, play, you get to play the Jets, so that's at least two wins. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I just want to give you a sarcastic good job for the Steelers beating Jeff Driscoll today. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> they beat one quarter of Drew Locke. Yeah, that's true. Um, what else? You got anything else for football before we do no. a quick pitch? Yeah, let's do some quick pitch. I'm good to move on from football. Good week okay. of football, though. Good week of football. I yeah, yes, except for like the one part that we discussed. Except earlier. for the Lions, which is yeah. – You do not speak that name after we finish talking about them on this podcast. All right, quick pitch. Quick pitch. So – a little bit of Detroit Tigers talk. I've kind of tried to stray away from this the last couple of weeks just because, like, it's – nobody cares. Nobody nobody cares about the Tigers right now. They're out of it. Casey Mize and Scoobal are pitching. Casey Mize has been awful. Scoobal's been pretty good. Uh, but Ron Gardenhire announced his retirement effective immediately the other day, and Lloyd McClendon will finish out the year as the Tigers' interim coach. Uh, and there is three – names i'm gonna say four names one of them's for fun but four names that are consistently coming up for who could be the next detroit tigers head coach the first two are the two managers that lost their jobs because of the cheating scandal with the astros this offseason that is aj hinch who's a damn good head coach who would be my number one pick and then there's alex cora who's coaching the red sox was part of the astros when everything happened he lost his job but also a really good head coach and then two Tigers fans, all-time favorites. One being super for real, which is Marcus Thames, Yankees hitting coach. Country strong, as Rod Allen would say, a dude that could just hit bombs. And the maybe the all-time Tigers role player favorite, and that is Sir Don Kelly. Um, which, like, I'm not lying when I tell you I Don Kelly, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Even, like, I, we're taking a shot in the dark. But he was like a work hard, put your head down type player. And those guys typically become good coaches. Um, but any of those four guys, if we're going into next season with any of those four, I'm excited. I mean, look at what Marcus Thames has done with this Yankees team. They Obviously, you got Stanton and, and Judge. But then like Glaber Torres and, and Sanchez, you got hitting up and down that lineup. Uh, so that's got to be something to do with your hitting coach, at least a little bit. They don't slump very much. When they do slump, they get out of it stronger than ever. They just hit 19 home runs in three games a few days ago. Um, so I would love all of those. But Gardenhire, out. Effective immediately. He will no longer be the head coach. From everything I've seen, heard, and listened to, class act, great guy for a team that was going through what we were going through. But also, I never thought he was the right guy for the next three or four years. I'd be really surprised if you get Alex Cora. Why is that? Oh, isn't he probably going to go back to the Red Sox after this year? No, no, no. They fired him. Mm, okay. So uh, I don't know if you want that kind of heat on your really bad team, honestly. 
I think it'll be a week of people like, oh, he cheated. I mean, people weren't mad at Alex Cora in the first place. He was, you know, he's gone from the Astros. Everybody just wanted to be mad at the Astros. And then the MLB knew they had to punish another person. So it ended up being Cora. And that's, you know, I, I think by the time next year rolls around, people, it, people will pretty much forget about it. I'd rather have Hinch, by the way. I'd much rather have Hinch. Yeah. Okay. Um, Big Ten football is officially back. We didn't talk about this last week, did we? I don't think so. Okay, good, because I don't think it was approved. Eight-game schedule, way stricter guidelines than the rest of college football, which, by the way, has been a fucking mess. Like, an absolute mess. LSU, I mean, Coach O was pretty much just like, everybody had COVID. Go Tigers. Like, it, like it's been a mess. Uh, mm -hmm. And in the Big Ten, you pretty much – it's like five guys get COVID and your game is canceled, no makeups. Uh, so I think they're just doing this to appease the masses. It's going to go like three weeks and then it's all going to be over. Uh, I agree. I think that the Big Ten has kind of more or less operated – has been forced to operate by media narrative. Uh, the president got involved. Uh, Kaylee McEnany thought that Mississippi had a school in the Big Ten. That's besides the point. That's besides the point. There's no reason for me to say that. Uh, yeah, but it's still no. Say it again. Will you say it again? Yeah. It's uh, look. <laughs> uh, college football. This is, I think, a big giant dark mark on an already dark sport for football. Uh, will 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 I watch Michigan play Michigan State this year? I don't know. Yeah, probably. But. This is the lowest stakes, least important college football season ever. It exists solely so that, like, so schools that can make money. Twitter bots, Twitter bots don't get mad at them. So yeah, and like Eastern doesn't lose their football team. I don't even know if they're playing, but like, it's all it's all for money. I know, but I'm just I, like, I'm just saying college football is it's just for money. It's a complete disregard for the safety of the college students. First, by the way, college students, complete disregard for the safety of all of them. Uh, and it's so they can go get money. And so a certain group of people aren't very mad at them for taking their precious football away. Um, but yes, yeah. I'll watch I'll watch Michigan versus MSU. I'll watch Michigan versus Ohio State. I'm excited to see. Sounds like Dylan McCaffrey's transferring. I'm excited to see if Joe Milton is like this this weirdo free kind of football field that I've, everybody's always kind of thought he was. Um but I'm also not going to like live and die, like cry after the Ohio State game like I normally do. So, next pitch NFL injuries this week. Man, I'm going to give you some big ones. Squad Barkley probably tore his ACL. Nick Bosa probably tore his ACL. Drew Locke hurt his shoulder, AC joint or something. Malik Hooker probably tore his Achilles. Uh, Sterling Shepard hurt his toe. Cam Akers hurt his ribs. Byron Jones hurt his groin. Anthony Barr hurt his shoulder. Paris Campbell hurt his knee. Raheem Mostert hurt his knee. Is this a product of shortened training camp, no mini camp, not being able to get your body in the normal shape, or was it just a freak week? So, of course, like your impulse, I think you kind of get the recency bias, um, and it makes you want to say, yeah, this is an anomaly, or this is, this is bad, but I actually don't. I just think that football is like this, and we forget every year that football is like this. And then JJ watch shoulder disconnects from his body. And we're like, Oh, football injuries. 
But I think that this is just the way that football is every year. And I, I'll have to see if there will be maybe some data on like the numbers and severity of the injuries that come out at the end of this week. We'll have to take a look back at this next week. But to me, this is just what happens every year. The NFL loses. Remember when they lost like 10 quarterbacks in a year, like two years ago? I think that this is just football to me. Saquon yeah. Buckley gets hurt, by the way. That's like this yeah, is I, and that I mean, literally that offensive line is just like, hey, you want to do, do you want to hit my running back? And he's just like, what are you doing, guys? And then they come and hit him. So uh, it's I I hope you're right, but I think also all the hamstring issues I've been seeing, I think it's a little bit of both. I do think some of it has to do with the lack of or the the how much less preparation there was this year. Yeah, no Chris Godwin, no Michael Thomas. Uh, I'm trying to think who else we we're missing this week. We're missing a bunch of people. Tara Taylor, Tara Taylor, Kenny Galladay. Oh yeah, it's a lot of so maybe so maybe some of the Desmond Trufant. Yeah, well the Lions are Lions are banged up everywhere. It seems like somehow, yeah. but I think that's a product more of playing at Ford Field, which I feel like is like a breeding ground for bad injuries. It's just that turf, man. Uh, this is we'll have to do like a longer segment on this, but Ford Field is dangerous to play on. Uh, it causes a lot of injuries, I think, more than more than a lot of other places. Should have built a retractable roof, but all right, I got a curveball to end it for you. Uh, we're going to switch up to soccer here, something I know me and you both loved to see, but opening night for Juventus, Weston McKenney was in the starting lineup. Is this something we're going that's to see great. going forward? Yeah, that's amazing. Is this something we're going to see going forward, or yeah. is this like – He was really good. Uh, yeah. He almost scored twice. He probably – he got like the – remember when the referees put a note card in between the football and the first down marker in that Dallas Cowboys game? That was the difference between him scoring a goal on VAR this week. Uh, he was awesome. Uh, he looks super like exactly what they needed. He covers a shitload of ground. He makes big tackles. He can play the occasional like really nice line-breaking pass. Uh, it's – he was super good. Uh, and you're, I think, going to see quite a bit of him. I just think they played – I will say this, though. Pirlo pulled some bullshit that I didn't think was going to happen anymore, and he played McKinney at right wide back, which was supposed to stop happening after he left Schalke, that they would stop playing him at, like, five different positions on the field. But he's just a, that's just a product of being kind of good at everything, right? It's that center midfielder trait of I'm a B minus to a B at everything except for my athleticism, which is a B plus. So they can play him wherever they right. need to. But it's better than if they had pulled him out, I guess, so. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm just excited about the USMNT period. Um, you got anything else this week? Uh, should we do a? Do you want to do a little transfer, a little transfer roundup real quick? Brendan hit Aronson, with, hit me up with your big, big three to five transfer rumors. Uh, Brendan Aronson, it seems like is a couple days away from signing a deal to go play at Red Bull Salzburg, which is one of the best development clubs in the world, right behind Ajax and PSV. Uh what else? What was the other other one or two? Uh, Mark McKenzie to Celtic is potentially on the table, but he's kind of turned into like the best player for the Philadelphia Union. Uh, the Philadelphia.